Hey, Keto Freaks. In case you haven't heard, Richard Morris and I are turning the entire town of New London, Connecticut, ketogenic in July 2017. Keto Fest isn't a conference. Conferences are for professionals. Festivals are for people. We will have some great speakers, yes, but also a pig roast, music, movies, cooking lessons, fitness lessons, bike tours, walking tours, and a whole lot of camaraderie among fellow Ketonians. Richard and I will both be there, as will many of our podcast guests and Facebook group admins. There's so much going on, I don't have time to tell you here. So go to ketofest.com and add your name to the mailing list so you'll know where to go and when in order to get your tickets. KetoFest, real keto for real people. Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut in the United States. And in February 2016, I put myself on a ketogenic diet to take control of my metabolism. In just two and a half months, I managed to reverse all my markers of type 2 diabetes with diet alone. As of now, I'm 72 pounds lighter with no signs of diabetes or heart disease. Hi, I'm Richard Morris in Canberra, Australia. And I've been on a ketogenic diet for over two years. And when I started, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes. Within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all of my biomarkers of disease had disappeared. I've also lost a bit around 70 pounds, and I've completely turned my health around. And this show is a document of my progress through ketosis and Richard's experience thriving for years in nutritional ketosis. Yeah. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Yeah, we're not doctors. We don't want to give anyone any medical advice, but we are keen to share our own experiences. We're actually both software developers, so we're not afraid of a few technical details, are we, Carl? Nah. But we have done some research into our own deranged metabolisms and the science behind that, and we hope to share some of that research. Where possible, we intend to put links in the show notes to cite the research supporting any claims that we make. Right. And you'll probably work out pretty quickly that we're both foodies. Yep, we sure are. We love to cook and we love to eat. So every episode, we both share a keto recipe that cannot be ignored. (laughs) They sure can't. (laughs) So let's start podcast episode 34, Inspiration. So, Richard, do we have any corrections or apologies from last week? Yeah, Carl. Last week was the protein controversy. You probably remember it. And I referred to a minimum requirement of 51 grams of glucose being required to run the brain. Uh, The actual figure should be 50 grams. I made a rounding error in the spreadsheet that I was working from uh, during the show. Uh, But the math on our post is all double-checked and hopefully free of rounding errors. 50 grams of glucose from the glycerol released by burning 500 grams of fat, which requires that Angus Barbieri ask his body to deliver 3,850 kilocalories of energy and have at least 123.23 pounds of body fat on him. Wow. Yeah. Angus Barbieri, the guy who fasted for 382 days. That's right. 
Yeah. All right. So, let's recap what a ketogenic diet is. Ketogenic diet is actually any diet that puts you in a state of nutritional ketosis. Sure. Where you're burning fat and you are producing ketones. Yep. And uh, so, what we adhere to still yep. is Volick and Finney's recommendation, which is 20 grams or less of carbs a day, which is usually from incidentals like green leafy vegetables yeah. and non-starchy vegetables and maybe some nuts. And cheese has got a few carbs in it, very small amount. Yeah. Exactly. And then protein scales with how much lean body mass you have. That's right. We use one gram to one and a half grams per kilo of lean body mass. Sure. Which is taken from Finney and Volick's Art and Science of Low-Carbohydrate Living. And then fat to satiety. Right. What does that mean? Well, if you're hungry, you eat more fat. Yeah. And pretty much we're going to get all of our energy from either body fat or fat that we eat. And do you want to repeat your keto haiku? Because I thought that was brilliant. Yes, my haiku. So that is, when hungry, you eat. Mostly fat with some protein. Stop when you are full. That's so great. (laughs) (laughs) So I actually actually got slammed by Ishay uh, on that because apparently to be – a proper Japanese haiku, I need to mention something from nature or a season or something in that regard for it to be an official haiku. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, how did you do this week, Richard? Yeah, I did well. I uh, finished my fast on uh, on my birthday, on my 51st birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. And I, I did a five-day fast, and I intended on the third day to ride 100K. But I went out and it was raining, but I still went out regardless. And then I had a puncture, so I repaired the puncture and I stayed out regardless. And I ended up having three punctures and <laughs> I called it quits because I'd run out of inner tubes and run out of puncture, puncture repair kits. Uh-huh. So I, I ended up doing about uh, I ended up doing about 35k. Oh, that was on Sunday, and then on Monday I went out again and did another 70k. And that day I'd, I'd repaired all my punctures and I rode at one point on the highway here. And I had my first ever blowout puncture, which is where, you know, an entire um, uh, four or five inch uh, seam in the tube rips just in, in very, you know, very quickly. So it sounds like a gunshot going off when you're riding along. It's very scary. Yeah. Um, and this was on, a, on the highway. but So I repaired that and I kept, kept on riding. So um, And then the following day on my birthday, I did another 30K. So uh, And this is all fasted, mind you, five days fasted. So um, it... It's remarkable how much energy uh, somebody with a fair amount of body fat can draw out of their their, their body. That's so, fantastic. Yeah, and then uh, on uh, on Wednesday we went out to Julie's Club, the Press Club, the National Press Club of Australia, and we uh, had a meal which was normally if I'd go if I if I have to go out. I have to sort of have a few carbs because I'm going to a restaurant, but I decided what I would do this time is I'd try really hard to eat at a fancy restaurant and be totally keto. Awesome. I've got the meals that Julie and I both had at the press club on our blog, and um, uh, Julie had a barramundi ceviche, which is a, it's a raw fish. It's a fish cooked in acid. Yep. Um, and for my appetizer, I had a sashimi of yellowfin tuna. Nice. Which, again, is very keto, yeah. And then for, for our mains, we had espresso-infused pork belly. Wow. With a, yeah, with a textures of cauliflower, and it was cauliflower velouté and cauliflower freeze-dried florets, and it was very fancy. So, um, But that was all totally keto. So uh, um, as I say, I've got them up on our, on our blog post, and you can uh, go have a look at those. And uh, 
uh, and see it's really it really is possible to eat keto at a, at a very fine dining restaurant. That's great. Hey, how was the reaction to last week's show, the protein controversy? Yeah, some of the things I said were a little bit controversial, and I was hoping to get a, more of a reaction than I ended up getting. So far, I've only got one response by a guy named Bocky Dog who s- asserted that uh, it would be ludicrous to imagine that uh, a few micrograms of aspartate would drop ketosis. Um, I'm going to do the experiment. Next time I do a fast, I'm going to do some exercise to make my body produce ketones, and then I'm going to eat something like um, egg whites, a large amount of egg whites, uh, which have a fair amount of aspartate in them, and uh, and see what that does to my ketone production. So I'll do the experiment, and I'll find out. Okay. Yeah, so that's, that's all for me uh, this week. Carl, how was your week? Oh, man, I'm having a great week. I'm in Atlanta this week uh, for the Microsoft Ignite conference. Yeah. And uh, I went on the Facebook group and said, hey, I'm in Atlanta. Does anybody want to uh, have a meetup? And that's (laughs) (laughs) M-E-A-T. Yep. (laughs) And so we did. Uh, I got about uh, five or six friends in the local area that are on the Facebook group that came down and we went to a a Brazilian steakhouse where they mm. keep bringing meat until you say no more. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <And> wonderful. <laughs> I, uh, first thing I did when I got here, which might be germane to the show, we'll ask Kevin about this, but when I got here, they put me up in a, in a Hyatt that has, it, it's a suite, so it has a kitchenette. Sure. Yeah. Now, there's no oven, of course, but mm. there's a microwave, there's a fridge, and there's a countertop and a sink. And so what I did, the first thing, I went to Kroger, which is the local grocery store here in Atlanta, if anyone's ever seen Good Eats, right? Yep. I don't know this, but I actually may have gone to Alton Brown's Kroger because I'm in Marietta. (laughs) Wow. I'm not sure, though. I'm not sure. Just a remote possibility. Anyway, so I I brought some coconut oil with me, so I didn't need that, but I did Mm. get a stick blender, which I did not bring with me because I don't have one. I had to buy one. I had to buy one, but it was mm. 20 bucks, no okay. problem. And it comes with a little container that you can use to blend stuff in. Yeah. And you'll get lots of use out of it. Yeah. And I also got stuff for a new non-alcoholic drink that I half invented with the bartender at Daddy Jack's, Corey. Nice. And I call it the Carl Franklin. Uh, why not? Pretty, <laughs> yeah, why not? It's pretty simple, really. You take some seltzer water, otherwise known as soda water, otherwise known as club soda. It's just fizzy water with no flavor, no calories. And you add to it some fresh lime juice. And when I'm home, I throw in a little apple cider vinegar. Nice. Yeah. Which I also bought at Kroger, by the way. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And some orange or citrus bitters, Mm -hmm. just a few squirts of that. And some salt. Nice. So it's like a, it's almost margarita-ish. It's very margarita-ish. And if you want to, you can add some alcohol to it. But uh, sure. I, I, you know, I, I quit drinking, so this is really good for me. And, you know, somebody brought up in the forum, nothing worse than a reformed drinker. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't get all annoying on us. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm nah. not preachy. No, I won't let you be that guy. <laughs> no way, man. No way. I, you know, I, I appreciate good bourbons and scotches. They're wonderful manna from the gods. But uh, um, I'm, uh, I just want to be nicer to my liver. You don't need them in your liver right now. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fifty ways to love my liver. <laughs> so I decided after a couple of days of keto coffee every morning and only eating one meal, mm-hmm. uh, I would. Check my blood sugar and my ketones. My ketones yeah. yesterday were 1.3. Nice. 
Nice. Yeah, very nice. And my blood sugar was 85. That's not bad either. That's pretty good. So I would say I'm having a great time. I didn't bring a scale, so I don't know. But uh, yeah, who cares? I'll let you know next week. <laughs> who cares? Yeah. Well, well, the the thing, the good thing is that you're in these conferences. These uh, software conferences are carb fests, right? So if you can manage to stay uh, low carb in that kind of environment, then you're winning. I chalk that up to having keto coffee every morning. Yeah, I just blend a tablespoon of coconut oil and a shake of cinnamon into a regular cup of coffee which I do half decaf just because I like coffee and I want to yeah. drink more of it. Yeah. So, uh, and, and that um, just kept me on the straight and narrow the whole time. I really didn't feel like I needed to, I never was tempted by anything. That's awesome. Well done. So one more thing I want to mention, and mm-hmm. I mentioned this in last week's show, that uh, I've decided to hold the first ever, for me, keto mm-hmm. retreat. Yeah. This is going to be the second week of January. I'm going to rent a house in Las Vegas. And it's got a great kitchen. It's got room for everybody to sleep in. It's a big house. There's a pool and a spa and a massage chair. And uh, I'm going to take 10 people. Now, now this is not for keto experts, is it? This is really for newbies in their first week. You got it. The first week is the hardest. So... Mm. It's really for those people who want to take the plunge, but they need a commitment device. They need something that is going to keep them on the path for a week. Yeah. And that's why we go away, you know, Mm. go away. And, you know, I looked up some keto retreats or health retreats and they have cruises and stuff. And there are all Mm -hmm. sorts of these ones down in the Caribbean and, you know, in these lavish places with, you know, where you get pampered and all that stuff. And that's not reality, you know? So I wanted to do something where we were a little bit more in the real world. We're in a kitchen, we're cooking together and actually going out to restaurants together. And doing what Julie and I did the other day, which is finding a restaurant and making keto from what they have on the menu. Exactly. Mm. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to go to a, a regular restaurant, you know, just a family restaurant. And then on the last day, we'll go to Texas de Brazil, which is another one of these Brazilian steakhouses oh, where yes. the gauchos bring <laughs> steak and meat and meat and more meat until nice. you say no. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So that's it. Well, we do have a special guest today, but before we get to Kevin, it's time for my I love doing mail. So Jason says, I just did the math, which is apropos considering our last week's podcast was quite math heavy. (laughs) Right. And Jason says, I just did the math. 2,000 calories of ribeye costs $2.39 less than 2,000 calories of cashy go lean crunch bars. (laughs) This portion of Two Keto Dudes brought to you by Cashy Go Lean Crunch Bars. (laughs) (laughs) Not anymore, it isn't. I think it's brought to you by uh, 2,000 calories of ribeye. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, Greg said, many times I have come on this group, obviously this is from the Facebook group, and I have been inspired and amazed at people's progress. Today I have my own success to celebrate. I'm about halfway to my weight goal. I've Mm. lost over 55 pounds, but my big non-scale victory came today when my cardiologist's office called me. 
The girl said that she was holding the results of Monday's blood work, Ooh. and the doctor had written a note that said, quote, call him and let him know that he is no longer a diabetic. Yeah. End quote. Booyah. Booyah. <laughs> she said that my new A1C is 5.9. Nice. And said that the doctor also wrote, keep doing this diet plan. Well done. Yeah, well done. She also let me know that both lines had big exclamation points. What an awesome call to get. I am more than impressed and more than excited with this way of eating and how it restores good health. That is outstanding. Yeah. So I've got, we've got another one from John who says, I've heard stories on this page and others about cheating on the diet, some even from our brave and fearless leaders about an evening at a wedding, for example, where caution was thrown to the wind and there were, quote unquote, indulgences. Indulgences. I think that was actually me. Of course, <laughs> folks jump right back on the wagon and get to ketoing again. Uh, all eventually evens out and everybody is fine. Yeah. But what I'm wondering is if I know that a time is coming up where on that day I will indulge in the full meal that is served and not pass on things, should I prepare for it to lessen the shock to my system? For example, insulin spike, gut's ability to digest food that I have not eaten since going keto, etc. I've read blogs, opinion pieces that seem to go both ways on this. Would the preparation period just add to the damage that will be done on the day in question? Uh, would it be best to just have a good time and get right back at it later on. Mm. I'm not looking for permission or to give anybody permission for anything. I own my decisions. I'm looking to mitigate damage and any guidance or experience that you may have. Yeah. So I guess my response to that is you, what you can do is you can deplete your glycogen before the event so that you've got somewhere to put any glucose that you eat. So you could say go for a run for two hours uh, beforehand uh, to uh, deplete all of the glucose that you've stored in your muscles. And when you eat uh, carbohydrates, it's got somewhere immediately to go that isn't going to raise your glucose in your blood and uh, it's not going to be converted into into instant fat. So um, yeah. so that's one idea is to, to, to go for a run. And then the day afterwards, you will have probably, hopefully, that any carbs that you eat will go straight into your muscle storage, muscle uh, glycogen, and then the next day go for a run just to empty that all out again. And that's probably going to be the best strategy for coping with it. Uh, mm. As far as looking after your gut and making sure that your gut's going to be able to deal with it, it's very difficult to because to, you, your gut's not used to it. And you yeah. really can't sort of, if you spend a week sort of gradually adding carbohydrate to, to your gut, that's a lot of glucose that you've got to deal with. So, yeah. you know, if you're going to be following the glycogen depletion uh, strategy, then do you really want to spend the whole week going for four hours of running every day? Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. probably wouldn't. So, I, I, I would just do that and uh, and then just realize it's going to be it's going to be heavy on your gut. It's going to be like a brick in your gut. I know when I had that accident. I won't ever do that again because uh, I had such horrible knee pain that I could barely sleep afterwards. So, th so that's my that's my. Uh, I, I probably won't do that again, and I'll go out of my way to uh, to make sure mm -hmm. that the food that I eat doesn't have carbs. Yeah, and these kinds of posts are tricky because you know some people see it as a prescription for how to cheat. Yeah. True. And you know, while I hate to get in people's brains and and you know think for them. And that's mm. really not what we try to do here. We try to share our experiences. And yeah. I think that everybody cheats at least once on this diet because we, we want to know what happens, you know, and yeah. we want to know, we, we, we don't believe it. You know, we, ha we don't believe it unless we experience it typically. Right. So 
I have done it a few times. Richard's done it a few times. Mm -hmm. And I do think it's important to, while we're reluctant to give you any tips for cheating, because <laughs> that's not <laughs> what we're about. No. Um, while I, I think it's good that we tell you what our experiences are, and my experiences are this. Every time I've, not just a cheat day, but a cheat meal, right? right? Every time I've done one meal, it's taken me five to seven days to get back to where I was weight-wise. But in the beginning, I would have those telltale signs of a glucose metabolism, which is, you know, stiff legs. As you said, you had knee pain, yeah. uh, you know, just feeling terrible. Like the, I felt awful. But after I became fat adapted, um, I still gained weight, but I didn't have those symptoms anymore. Um, so it wasn't so, it wasn't so hard on the way I feel, but it definitely punished me at the scale. And it took, it still took a week to get back to where I was. And yes, it was very easy to get right back on the horse the second and third times. That mm. first time was really difficult. It was really, yeah. really difficult. So, so Ron Rosedale says that, and I can't remember the quote exactly, but in the end, your longevity is determined by how much fat you burn versus how much sugar you burn. Right. So if you think of it that way, you know, as few cheat meals as possible is definitely recommended. Yeah. And you, you want to be fat adapted before you even think about it. And, and I wouldn't think about it. I would, uh, I would engage the art of distraction. And when you're feeling emotional, uh, what I do is I overindulge in keto foods. And let's face it, mm. there are so many great keto foods. Make yourself a, a, a fathead pizza. Yeah, you exactly. If, as, as Malcolm Grove says, um, if you're going to cheat, eat keto. Just eat some right. really delicious keto, high-calorie keto, you know. Go get a bag or a bottle of macadamia nuts, you know? Oh, yeah. So, you know, people are going to cheat um, to see what happens. Uh, I, we can't stop you from cheating. We, we don't want posts that encourage cheating or any of that kind of stuff, but yet it's going to happen. So, sometimes I think, for example, a child learns a lot from sticking their fingers on a hot stove. What are you going to do? Yeah. Just get back on the horse. That's what we prescribe. Yeah, I agree. Okay, and that brings us to our guest today. Kevin Sharman is here, and uh, I'm going to let him introduce himself. Kevin, you, you're in a truck somewhere on the side of the road, right? Oh, that's right. I'm in uh, Joplin, Missouri. Joplin, Missouri. That's where the tornadoes touched down. Yep, that's right. Four or five years ago. Yes, uh, uh, I think it was longer than that, but uh, yes, they had a, uh, I, I was in the military back then, and my my oldest son was still at the house, and uh uh, we were able to donate uh, some some food items here, but it's uh, it's come a long way. It's it's a nice place here. Mm. So, Kevin, you have so many stories. Let's start with your story of of your military service and what happened and what led you to this point of uh, ketosis. Sure. Hey, oh, and thanks for the opportunity to potentially embarrass myself in front of seventy thousand <laughs> listeners. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. You're more than welcome. <laughs> we're we're experts at it. All right. Well, I'll give you the Reader's Digest uh, uh, version, but uh, I'm, I'm about you guys' age. I just hit the big four nine back in March and approaching 50. 
and uh, joined the army about, or I joined the army in 1985. So mm-hmm. I was going to retire in 2005, but I liked it so much I just kind of hung around for another, uh, oh sh- uh, another five years. Yeah. Okay. So um, deployed the real world deployments five, uh, three in a combat zone, uh, Desert Storm, and. Uh, uh, Afghanistan once and Iraq again. <laughs> well, before we go any further, thank you. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you for your support. <laughs> and there's my computer overlord. Sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, deployed to Haiti and uh, also uh, during Hurricane Katrina uh, down in wow. uh, New Orleans. So uh, some, some, not all of it's combat. It's not all. Uh, it's not all action and adrenaline. Uh, right. But. Yeah, so uh, I've always had a, a a weight problem ever since I joined the military. As a matter of fact, I was at my peak in physical performance when I was eighteen. Sure, but I never had that uh, belly um, back in the day <laughs> when I was going when I was growing <laughs> up. I went to basic training in uh, Fort Benning, Georgia, in the hottest part of the year, June, July, August, September, and the uh, drill sergeants encourage you to eat everything on your plate. Uh, unless you want some uh, punitive punishment there. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> so, and the military adopts, and as, as far as I know, they still do a calories in, calories out approach. And that's what was accepted. So right. um, I've always had, I've, I'm just a medium-sized guy, five, eight, you know, five, eight and a half if I stand up really straight. <laughs> and they do uh, what they call a tape test. And that's just a body uh, BMI measurement, measuring your neck and around your around your navel. And I've always failed, even though I could pass the uh, PT test, I was always considered overweight. So that's when it started back early, 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 early. And uh, so uh, fast forward a few years, I mean, I was still in good shape, I could still, you know, I could still pass the tape test. Uh, yeah. the body fat measurements, but uh, yeah. I was always considered over for my, for my age, for my height. Uh, I eventually got down to, to Fort Bragg, North Carolina. That's the uh, home of the 82nd. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they specialize in, uh, in real world deployments. Uh, they have to be anywhere on the planet within 18 hours and we catch a ride with the air force. Wow. And, uh, I was 27 at the time. And this was my first jump with the division. I had just gone to airborne school. And uh, uh, what happened was is that a uh, air traffic controller cleared uh, two aircraft on the same runway at the same time while we were doing our pre-jump training. So whether you jump five times or 55 times, uh, you still have to go through, you know, actions in the aircraft. You know, mm. it, it's, it's automatic. So you don't even have to think about it. Right. And uh, one of the guys that was in the mock doors uh, happened to look up and uh, saw the crashes that was happening and yelled, crash, crash, crash. I turned around, saw a spinning fuselage heading my direction, and we just all picked a direction and took off. Mm. A few seconds later, I was on fire. Oh, man. Well, at that particular point, Dick Van Dyke did not occur to me. Uh, yeah. Hey, stop, drop, and roll, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, when I finally uh, ran a distance away, I, I did... Uh, it's it's sandy soil there, so uh, I, I I got down. I was able to put myself out. At least my back uh, was out, but my legs were bent. Oh. And so I got up and started running out of the area. And I my my pants legs were still on fire. I did not realize. Oh. And and this dude intercepted me. He was like, "Hey, you're still on fire!" He grabbed me to the ground, threw me to the ground, started ripping my 
clothes off. I was like, wait, wait, I just met you. (laughs) 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 That's my joke. I I try to put, I try to put the fun in funeral because uh, there's, there's enough misery in, in, in our lives, you know, where you can't, you know, you got to make fun of some, you know, of some things. And if if not yourself, you know, (laughs) you shouldn't make fun of others, but yeah, (laughs) but he put me out and, and I posted that story, I think on the, uh, two keto thread just Mm -hmm. for anyone who's interested. And, uh, Mm -hmm. because I, I met that guy, that's another story, but I I met that guy years later uh, and was able to thank him. Yeah. So I, I got up, I, I walked around, you know, I mean, it was misery everywhere. I mean, right. oppressive heat, things yeah. on fire. And, um, eventually I just, uh, I looked at my hands, I burned the back of my hands. And I was like, Oh, this doesn't look too good. Yeah. And then I, I, I felt the back of my head and this, well, this doesn't feel too good, but mm. it, I mean, it was painful obviously. And, uh, uh, I, but I didn't feel like I was dying. I was in a yeah. lot of pain. I was just in a lot of pain. You know, I, I didn't, uh, inhale any hot gas. So, I mean, I wasn't, yeah, I didn't. I did not feel like I was, you know, going to see Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, and you made a full recovery. Yes. Uh, well, well, I got something from the VA when I finally retired because uh, I, I have to. I have to be careful when it comes to heat sources, and yeah. uh, because my hands are burned, so is, so is my my back. So if I'm working on a stove. You can use the backs of my hands as coasters for anything hot or cold. Yeah. It won't be uh, a few seconds uh, before I feel the temperature uh, difference. And so I have to be careful with that. The skin grafts uh, came from my thighs were put on my hands, and they are susceptible to injury. So I, got, I just got to be careful. But All I right. did get back on the horse to, to answer your question because I was able to uh, uh, recover. Uh, they had shipped me to Fort, uh, Fort Sam Houston, which is uh, Brook Army Medical Center. That's the... Uh, burn center there and um, Mm. they now I think they renamed it San Antonio Military Medical Center and uh, I did all my all recovery there and and the the rule of thumb was uh, for a healthy individual a percentage a day so I was burned 34 percent I was in the hospital 30 days and then they sent me back to Fort Bragg to uh, do occupational and physical therapy and do some scar revision surgeries I had some webbing on my hands and uh, some thick scarring on the right side of my face. The only thing I'm missing is a is a little bit of my ear, oh. and everything else works if you know what I mean. Yeah, good. <laughs> so, <laughs> 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 yeah, that's uh, that's everyone does the man check when. <laughs> of course, <laughs> but 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 the the takeaways from this is that uh, uh, I was a 27 year old guy uh, surrounded by a bunch of young guys and old guys who did not realize that they only had you know, that this would be their last day on earth. So mm, it's terrible. I mean, there's lots of what ifs, you know, right. And, yeah. You know, uh, I have, we lost 24 people total, uh, wow. in that accident and wow. 90, 90 casualties. I want to say I might be off on the numbers. It was so long ago. Some, um, the bulk of us got shipped to, uh, Fort Sam or to Samsey and, uh, got our recovery there. So I have a question because I don't get to talk to burn survivors very often. Mm-hmm. Um, do you still have pain? I do not know. Uh, once in a while I'll have an itch, uh, the phantom itch, I guess you could call uh, yeah. on some of the edges of my scar tissue. Yeah. But I don't, I don't have any phantom pain, but I'm only speaking for myself because, yeah. uh, when I became, um, when I became a liaison down there, uh, because of my burn experience towards the end of my career, I put off retirement uh, because a, an opening came down for a representative of the 82nd to 
be the liaison between family members, patients, uh, administration staff, any VIPs that came down. I mean, it was mm. a good HR job, but uh, yeah. uh, I learned a lot and I know how lucky I was. Yeah. Mm. What a harrowing tale. Yeah. But you know what? As soon as I got done with the, when I was, when I got uh, discharged from the hospital, I was obviously messed up and because yeah. I was wearing compression garments to smooth out the scarring. I was red faced. I was obviously messed up, but you make it an object lesson. Uh, yeah. I don't, I, I, I share the story freely with everybody because there's no sense in keeping it in. You know, no. I can't say I have PTSD as a result. I mean, I'm well aware of planes now. I've never used yeah. to be. <laughs> right. <laughs> to, if a chi- but a child, uh, they are the most honest people. They'll come up and they'll say, Hey, uh, what happened to you? And I'm <laughs> making an object lesson. I say, don't play with fire. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and it's just a lesson in not being able to control everything in your life. And sometimes things happen that Mm -hmm. nobody asks for and they just happen to you. And that's, that's just some, some, it's the luck of the draw some ways. Yes. Oh, sure. Uh, Yeah. The, the doctors tried to, uh, to war game it like, what were you, what were you, where were you standing to the best Mm -hmm. of your knowledge? Was your uniform starched? You know, did you run this way or that way? And there was no rhyme or reason. It was completely random is what they can determine. Yeah. But I was able to make lemons or lemonade out of lemons in life. And I'm not the only one. There's uh, uh, quite a few guys uh, uh, who turned their life around and were, were definitely injured worse than I was. I, I, could, I, I have one of the rare opportunity to say, hey, I knew that guy before he was famous. That's the thing. <laughs> J.R. Martinez was, uh, he became, he, he, dove, he, he made his uh, injuries and uh, was able to uh, develop it into an acting career. You saw him on Dancing with the Stars. Uh, before he was famous, uh, he was a motivational speaker. And uh, one of my fellow soldiers, uh, Bobby Henline, he turned his uh, injuries into a uh, comedian act. You can look these guys up. Yeah. Uh, one other guy that sticks, uh, sticks is Shiloh Harris. Uh, he turned his into a book. And so these guys injured mm. much worse than I was, but holy crap, they have the, <laughs> right. uh, they set the example on how to, uh, on how to live. Yeah. Yeah. It's impressive that you can come back from something like that, seeing a lot of people killed in front of you. I mean, friends and, uh, you know, spending a day, spending the last day with a whole group of people is, uh, it's a remarkable thing to come back from that mentally and uh and and not have ptsd i mean that's just uh spectacular i i went through uh not nearly as as traumatic an experience but uh september 11 i was working on wall street at the time and and i was 100 100 meters away from the buildings when they came down and i still have like sometimes like the sound of hail on a tin roof affects me because it sounds like people jumping and and that it's surprising you know for me most times i never think about it but then you know it's just some little trigger that just happens and it just sets you off and it's 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 remarkable to have come away from that you know without um without really without too much ptsd is spectacular and it it speaks to your 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 mental um agility the ability to uh to um you know think your way through the whole process well done Thank you. Uh, well, mm. I try to, I try to override the emotion with logic. Mm. So, yes. Uh, yes, I guess you could say I, if you want to, if you want to say I have a slight form of PTSD, I never used to be a white knuckle flyer, but uh, mm. once right. I got done with all yeah. the treatment, uh, I deployed, uh, in aircraft overseas. I mean, I wish, I wish they would have, uh, 
uh, allowed us a little alcohol for that so I can <laughs> be unconscious for it because uh, that's, the, that's the one thing I'm thinking of. You know, it wasn't in the airplane when it crashed. I'm thinking yeah. I'm in a big container full of fuel and there's yeah, no coming right. back from it at this height and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah. it was miserable, but uh, I, I got over it and I don't fly <laughs> when I don't have to, but I still get on that horse. So Right. So how did you get to keto? Well, I started out with Rob Wolf's book i was like i've always been interested i've always been geeky and stuff like that uh mm. mostly with a history and uh the history being uh the ancestral health angle and stuff like that i mean mm -hmm. i just I, i've always been interested in diet because of my problems with the military and yeah. keeping keeping uh, within the standards um after i got injured um uh, i initially lost weight and uh, because the, the skin was just pumping out uh lots of energy because it was trying to heal itself and yeah. it, was, it was energy intensive. I got down to, I think 170 at one point. Uh, and then I kind of bloomed up, but mm. they felt sorry for me because I was injured and, uh, I was not within the standards. Plus I could not, uh, work out and, and, and things like that. Mm. But eventually, uh, after my, uh, initial scar revision surgeries and I was cleared to go, to jump again, it was so funny because my first sergeant, he's the senior enlisted in the company. Mm. Um, I asked him, Hey, you know, can I jump? And he's like, well, get, uh, get him a letter from your doctor. And if he says it's okay, then it's okay. So I talked to my doctor. I been, I had been sent back to Fort Bragg and my doctor, fact, you know, I talked to him on the phone. He said, Hey, you know, do you think I could jump again? And he's like, I don't know. Do you, can you jump again? And I said, yes, I'll send you a letter. That was it. That was it. <laughs> That'll be a thousand dollars, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was when the, the military had plastic surgeons. Well, quote unquote, plastic surgeons, but <laughs> he was a good guy. Doc, yeah. Doc Cheney's his name. So I don't know if he's listening, but I think he's in your neck of the woods there, uh, oh. Carl. Okay. Uh, so, uh, I, I got done, I got back into shape and, uh, was still battling, uh, still battling the, the bulge, you know, I knew that the pancreas controlled blood sugars, but I did not know how that all worked out. You know, mm. I thought I was, I was in the calories in calories out. Obviously, if you burn more than you take in, you're going to lose weight. Right. And uh, I did have some success, but it wasn't easy. Um, so what happened was, I'm going to fast forward. I got out of the military and then um, I less a little less active. And one of the, the problems with being in the military is uh, a lot of the uh, physical ailments you have for abuse, you know, over the over the next 20 years. This uh, is just a non-scientific uh, survey of mine, <laughs> mm. observational, is that uh, a lot of soldiers will, as soon as they get out, they, 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 they age really fast or yeah. they... They have the, the same problems everybody else does in, in addition to, to, you know, something that's like military specific, like your, your knees or your hips or something. That's a, that's a hard, uh, that's a hard uh, thing to overcome, especially if you've been in the, in the airborne for a long time, because we do hit hard. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I was fortunate. I, I only had one knee injury and so I had no excuse not to run. I, I, I survived the airborne with my knees intact. and so. Um, uh, I, I think I really took uh, ancestral health seriously during my time outside the military. Uh, I went, I, I retired in 2010 and then uh, spent three years just doing an office job. 
Hmm. And then when I finally got a handle on it, I mean, I was still into the kind of the calories in calories out. So I started running the stairs and that sort of thing. So that's the physical part of it. Um, I had a, I have a son, he's my 15 year old and he, uh, had, uh, he had a lot of problems, uh, just, just growing up, a lot of food, uh, issues initially, you know, allergic to a lot of stuff and having bad gas and, or not gas, I'm sorry, but, uh, intestinal problems. And then, uh, and this is not, this is before we even knew that, you know, that, Hey, maybe it's, maybe it's what you eat, mm, <laughs> but yeah, he yeah. was having some behavioral problems and around eight years old. And, uh, he has a, he has a, a slight speech impediment. So he's hard to understand, especially at, at eight years old or seven years old. He, he couldn't articulate what was going through his mind. And I mean, you could just <laughs> see it, you know, he has the, all, all of these problems. And then it was, uh, Someone associated uh, some behavioral health with um, with uh, the food that uh, children eat. Yeah, and so we got a we got a uh, a behavioral health uh, referral from the military system, and we went to this this one place locally in San Antonio, and we wanted we actually just wanted a child psychologist and uh, trying to determine. Uh, you know what techniques we can use so he can deal with it, right. and she's like, well we prescribe medications here and I was like, well, we, we don't want medications. And basically she said, well, why are you here? <laughs> and so, so, so we backtracked, uh, that was our one and only visit. Uh, I think we made it went twice, but that was it. Uh, they, they wanted to medicate, uh, Will's behavior, uh, into, uh, into yeah. remission. And that was, not, that was not okay with us. Yes. And so what, what we did was we put him on a, a real food diet at this point, it was still paleo, but, uh, uh, Will beca- Will's behavior just normalized. He was able to cope. I mean, we're talking like rapid recovery. Uh, yeah, he was a he is an awesome young man right now. He's 15, and uh, he was he's also the, the one. Hey, you want to eat this? Is it paleo? <laughs> yeah. he's like uh, because he he saw the benefits in himself. And uh, okay, fast forward a couple years. Um, my wife, and this this is uh, 2016, I guess, was the 2015 and 2016 was where I actually heard about keto. And I was listening to Rob Wolf's podcast, and he was talking to somebody else, and he'd mentioned ketosis this and ketosis that. I just kind of blew it off and uh, said, oh, okay, I'll look it up later, you know. And <laughs> but then uh, I come across you know other podcasts and w- explained it all, and I was like, wow, okay, well, let's give it a shot. But uh, let's see what happened was is that my wife was uh, having some, some skin conditions that were mentioned in other uh, in other geeky podcasts that uh, you know that it could be an uh, an autoimmune condition of some kind wow. and i was like okay well and i had seen uh, um, dr walls's uh, uh, tedx talk and I was like, holy crap. <laughs> I mean, she has an autoimmune <laughs> disease and she was able to tweak her, um, her food intake to, you know, to, to herself. And I'm like, you know, that makes a lot of sense. So I bought her, I bought my wife the walls protocol and told her to, you know, have at it. By this time I was, I was out and about, um, driving and, uh, and it wasn't like a few weeks later, she had gotten a uh, an examination, and the doctors were concerned with her liver enzymes. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, okay." So she got a retest, and they're like, "Okay, you have a, you have a fatty liver." Ouch! Wow. 
total coincidence, I gave her the walls protocol, and then suddenly she has a, uh, a, a non-alcoholic fatty liver. And so now I'm looking looking through all the literature. What is exactly a non-alcoholic fatty liver? Because I've heard it on on you guys' podcast and everybody else that it's going to be the new the new upcoming condition. It's going to be the new normal here shortly. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, she she volunteered to get biopsies done and experiment not experimental drugs, but a a known drug to uh, you know they 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 they've had some success in it. And so, and I got my wife's permission to talk about this. <laughs> okay, good. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so, and so she, there was a, a a few months later, uh, she got another biopsy done, and uh, a different doctor who is, who is top in his field. However, he was kind of new at it, and uh, he 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 calls her up, or or she visits, and the doctor says you have. St- Stage four cirrhosis. Wow. There's a happy ending to the story. So, <laughs> the cirrhosis diagnosis was completely incorrect. Oh, no. And wow. yes. And good. Yes, completely incorrect. <laughs> yes. She was a little bit angry with the doc. And, uh, and I, I told her, hey, look at the bright side. You didn't get a good, clean bill of health just to find out you only had two weeks to live. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a human error, but it wasn't a, uh, not in my opinion, a negligent human error because he was a new doc. He is stopping his field and uh, no one got hurt. And actually it was good news, you know, so let's, let's keep him on <laughs> on a trial basis. <laughs> no, yeah. no they, they, they have wonderful doctors there at, uh, at the San Antonio military medical center. And, uh, and so, uh, uh, once it was all corrected, her current diagnosis was uh, stage, they call it a stage two fatty liver and uh, with no cirrhosis. Wow. And, and so, and, and, uh, and the results of her second or her latest biopsy was that her enzyme numbers were trending uh, towards the good territory. And this was only a few, a few months into her, into her diet. And she primarily did a, a paleo thing like your son did or did she go full keto or what uh she's i would say she's more keto. she's not measuring her macros she's uh getting probably the bulk of her energy from fats uh, but uh just she has a problem digesting fat so we're we're we're, we're tinkering with that yeah. uh, a lot of the the leafy greens you know and uh and a moderate amount of protein so so she uh, and we we as soon as we get back, we, 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 we like the tools, the measuring tools to, to determine whether or not we are in ketosis. So when she got on the Walsh protocol, I mean, we're a team. She and I are a team. We've been married for 20 some odd years. So Great. Um, so I did it on because there was some concern about my weight and uh, or, you know, my, you know, becoming obese while out on the road because it is a problem because it's. It's long, long hours and you get bored and, you know, and, uh, there's a lot of, uh, hyper palatable foods out there like donuts and Krispy Kremes. Like sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so that is sort of my motivation. Uh, well, it is my motivation to, um, to stay with her on this journey until we can get her liver completely, oh, in, uh, completely healed. And plus she is, uh, insulin resistant. Uh, I was blessed myself because... 
her numbers are going the right so the right way, and she actually said I was in denial because as soon as she got the you know the cirrhosis diagnosis, I'm like, you know what, uh, we're we're going to try to fix what what liver she had left. That was my goal. Yeah. And she's like, well, there, you know, she was under the depression. There's no fixing this. And I'm like, well, yeah. we're going to try, you know, because I'm not going to count on a transplant, you know. So this is really fascinating. You started with your son had mm-hmm. really good results with paleo. And then your wife had really good results cutting the carbs and, uh, and uh, you know, essentially being ketogenic. And then, and then you tried it. Yes. And so you have, you're doing keto on the road. Yes, I am. <laughs> and that must have its own uh, challenges, as you're saying, with all these Krispy Kremes and things out there. How on earth do you do it? Well, I've, uh, I'm, I've been very blessed as far as uh, not being sensitive to any food. I've never been diagnosed with insulin anything. Mm. I've always had normal. I mean, if I eat too much, I get overweight. And if I don't exercise enough, uh, I'll have a slightly higher blood pressure. I'm, I'm treating myself as if I were a type two diabetic. Okay. Uh, even though I'm not. Yeah. And I try to live. I try to eat to live and not live to eat. And mm-hmm. uh, but I'm I'm changing that because my my wife. I'm not a foodie, but my wife is. And yeah. so, <laughs> uh, so the 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 recipes that you guys uh, put at the end of your podcast are very are very helpful in. Uh, or will be very helpful when I'm finally back home. But uh, going into the only time I find myself weak uh, is if you know I'm hungry or uh, I'm emotional, I'm menstruating yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What kinds of foods do you bring with you, and and how can you prepare them? Well, uh, I'm a convenience kind of guy. Uh, there's another there's another driver that's actually on the podcast, and he's more of a of a preparer because there's plenty of times to prepare, but I'm a lazy guy, and yeah. so um, uh, I had a, I was an early adopter for myself of the uh, chicharrones, the um, the uh, fried pig skins because there's only mm. two because. I do, I lack the uh, measuring measuring tools on the road. Yeah. And so what I did was just I started out basic. Okay, so I'm going to you know just eat enough protein to you know satisfy my cravings because uh, I mean I, I crave I was going to listen to my body is what I was what I was going to do I was starting out blind and then I was going to push as much fat as I can take it and then once I got to that point where I couldn't take it anymore um, I, I dialed it down a little bit so uh, with the chicharrones. Uh, uh, sometimes Walmart, if I can say Walmart, uh, these big sure. box, uh, grocery stores, uh, have, uh, sometimes they have truck parking and they allow us to n- not necessarily overnight, but stay a little bit to go do a little shopping. So I'll get the, uh, the sour cream or the pre-prepared, um, um, guacamole, mm. um, pico de gallo. Uh, I also got, uh, some coconut oil. So I kind of mix all that together and it makes an excellent dip for the chicharrones. Nice fat, 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 in uh, in addition to other kinds of fat, and uh, Stephen, the uh, other trucker guy. Hey, Stephen, <laughs> I know you're there, <laughs> but uh, uh, no, he he, because uh, I was posting some of these things on um, on the Facebook, and then he'd come back with uh, uh, other ideas because they the they have all kinds of gadgets that are 12 volt. I mean, you can cook your own meals uh, hmm. within the truck. And do all kinds of uh, preparation stuff. So, I mean, I have a small a cooler, and some of these other dudes have refrigerators within their truck. I mean, they yeah. 
they they uh, they're not suffering. It's it's uh, it's, <laughs> it's maximizing the space of uh, to to your comfort level. You know, some yeah, people yeah. have big screen TVs and satellite and all that kind of stuff. So, and how has um, the ketogenic thing worked for you? I mean, we haven't really talked about your results. How long you've been doing it, and what's oh. happened? Okay, so I've been doing it seriously since, let's see, this is uh, September, so uh, real serious since uh, November after Thanksgiving. After oh. Okay, it was after Christmas because I indulged with the family uh, during that time. Yeah. Uh, only, gained, only gained a few pounds and because um, I've been doing just the, the real food, eating, eating between a certain amount, uh, uh, between certain hours, mm-hmm. and, like within an eight-hour window, and then fasting the other 16. And I, I, I respond really well to that. And yeah. so, but when I, when I started getting really in, into, you know, ketogenic, uh, I was like, well, I don't have the measuring tools to, to see. So let me listen to my body, mm. do it like they did back in, back in the caveman days. And, <laughs> uh, uh, I immediately, almost immediately about within two weeks, uh, um, my mental clarity. Has, yeah. I, it it's subjective, but my mental clarity has uh, has definitely improved, and I'm more I'm more sensitive to I'm more sensitive to conversation too. You know, listening mm. to my wife and not like going off. You know, it's not it's not a mental fog, and my emotions emotionally uh, uh, I'm even keeled. I mean, I you know I I don't go off the handle. Sometimes I do, but. <laughs> Those are really good signs that you're in ketosis, the mental clarity, the focus, the stability of moods. There, You don't need a meter to tell you you're in ketosis when you've got that kind of result. Absolutely. Right. And I, I, I enjoyed your last week's podcast for the protein because it answered a few of my own questions, like how much protein do I actually need? Because uh, a lot of the experts don't exactly agree as to how much. And yeah. so um, I'm just listening to my body. Hey, uh, I'm craving fish today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's craving. right. Uh, so, and so I'll, I'll do just enough. And if I feel like, uh, like if I'm driving and uh, I feel like I need to eat, uh, I have to determine whether or not am I really hungry or am I thirsty. So I have a gallon of water that sits right next to me, and mm. so uh, I'll go ahead and take a swig of that or the uh, keto coffee. I have, I have my own. Uh, my, in my cooler, I keep a thing of uh, full fat cream mm. and uh, unsalted butter that uh, I just drop into it and take it inside the. Uh, in, well, you can. I, I have a Keurig too, so. All right, <laughs> nice. Not suffering. No. And how much weight have you lost? Uh, see, I started this process at my my greatest. I was uh, between let's see, two hundred and twenty-two to two hundred and thirty, uh, and I weighed myself. Uh, last week I was at 181. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, 175 between 175 and 181, and so I, I ditched the scale because at my height and weight, uh, or at that at that height, the the scale becomes counterproductive if if you're mm. going to base your success on that. Yeah. So uh, I am I I bought some tight clothing, some T-shirts that I bought at the uh, truck stops. You know, when when mm-hmm. it says uh, Virginia or yeah, <laughs> well done, sir. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's Thank awesome. Uh, but I plan on getting uh, some of the measurements, uh, some of the measuring tools when I get back home to to, yeah. to actually see if I actually am in ketosis. If if so, by how much? Um, and uh, and and do the same for my wife as well because she's on board with this, and so is my uh, 
my middle son, my middle son. I have a 19 year old too. He's in, he's in university. Yeah. Well, Kevin, this is yeah. such an inspiring story. And, uh, anyone who's out there listening, uh, how can they reach you if they want to send you a message? I'm, pub- I'm publicly searchable on Facebook and, uh, uh, don't read my emails as much. And your name on Facebook is R Kevin Sharman. And how do you spell your last name? S C H A R M E N. And you can be found on our Facebook group. Yes. I, yes, I can. Absolutely. Yes, I can. I'm going to turn my wife on to you guys' Facebook and, and whenever this podcast goes. Well, oh, I wanted to, to, to say kudos to you, Carl, because you're dedicating the next 50 years to help people. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And uh, yeah, it, well, for me, there's, there's nothing greater, no greater accomplishment than saving a life. I totally agree. Yeah. And if you're, you're doing that and uh, Richard's doing that and uh, I want you guys kind of beat me to the punch, you know, cause I was like, Hey, you know, I found this good thing. And, and then, uh, 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 wanted to start a group and stuff like that. But I'll have to do it locally. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. San Antonio has a diabetes rate that's real high. And, uh, so if I ever decide to become a nutritionist or something like that, I'll have, uh, I have a lot of work with. So. <laughs> the world needs more of us than there are of us. So that's true. And, and yeah. you know, I, when it comes to saving lives, I can't take credit for that. Richard and I didn't invent the ketogenic diet. We can yeah. only hint and tell people about our experiences and uh, uh, people's bodies heal themselves. It might, I, I give my liver credit for saving my life. Yeah. 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 Kevin, it's been such a wonderful time spending with you, and and uh, what a c- amazing story in four parts. It's just fantastic. Well, I hope I've given you enough material to work with because I could keep going. Some of my stories are even true. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Sharman, thanks very much. Thanks, Kevin. All right. All right. Well, then I think that brings us to recipes. 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 <laughs> So this is the bit that Kevin said really helps he and his wife out. Uh, I don't have a very valuable recipe today. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a, an extension of Kim Houghton's recipe from the female show. Right. And in that recipe, you might remember that she made lemon curd with four egg yolks. Mm. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the meringues and I'm going to beat them up until they're stiff peaks. I'm going to add some cream of tartar. So I've got four egg whites left over from that recipe, yep. and I add about a teaspoon of cream of tartar, and what that does is it helps the eggs, the egg whites beat into very stiff peaks. Yes. And I'm going to start out originally with a bowl that I put in the fridge, and you've got to, you've got to make sure when you're beating egg, egg whites not to get any fat in the bowl. So I put a bit of cling film over the top and I chill it down. I take those egg whites. I've got to make sure if there's any yolk in those eggs, you've got to pull it out with a spoon and get rid of it and all of the egg white around it because you want to have no fat at all in it. I usually end up tossing them and starting over. Yeah, <laughs> that sometimes happens. But this time when I made the curd, I was very, uh, I made very certain that I had entirely whole yolks and uh, did them one at a time into a bowl so mm. I could make sure of that. 
So I've got four egg whites. I've got a teaspoon of cream of tartar. I've got a chilled bowl, uh, and I've got some beaters that are and and I basically beat that until it stiff peaks. And I, I added a smidgen of uh, pure sucralose powder. Now, smidgen's actually an accurate measurement. It's I think Is it's it? one thirty sec. Yeah, it's actually <laughs> a, a, it's actually an actual measurement. It's like something like one thirty second of a teaspoon. So. Wow. <laughs> If if you if you make cheese or you do anything to do with uh, anything to do with cultures where you're taking a small amount of spores and adding them to a recipe, you get these special spoons. But what you can do is you can just you know have a have a, you, know, you can eyeball the very tip of a teaspoon into sucralose. Uh, but what you're trying to do is just sweeten it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and but you can do it without sweetener if you want. So sure. what I did was I got a silicone muffin mold. Uh, that holds 12, 12 mini muffins, and it's basically uh, a small puck-sized, uh, small uh, discs about an inch and a half in diameter. And I put that silicone mould with uh, uh, with the egg white mixture in it in an oven at 120 Celsius, which is about 250 Fahrenheit. Uh, okay. So it's a, it's a low temperature, and I put it in for I put it in basically until I, I watched them until they went slightly brown on the outside, and then I knew they yeah. were ready. But it, it ended up being about twenty minutes, twenty five minutes, and uh, so then I t- take them out and uh, let them cool down on a on a bench, and then I put them in the freezer, and that's where they stay until I'm ready to use them. And then you just top your lemon curd pies or whatever with them. Absolutely. And you've got- Lemon meringue pie. I on a, on a on a bowl. I put one of these little meringues uh, with uh, down on a bowl, and then I put a little dollop of uh, the lemon curd on top of that. A little nice tart, sweet lemon curd, mm. and then maybe put a blueberry on top of that just for uh, finesse. But so that's my recipe. It's an that's extension awesome. of Kim's recipe. It's sort of like uh, it's taking egg to the next level. You know what I love about um, today's recipes is that we're going all French. <laughs> okay. You got meringue, okay. and I've got Bernays sauce. Oh, and love a good Bernays. And maybe this is subconsciously in response to my uh, comment about brie spread last week, for which I got <laughs> crucified. <laughs> yes. Well, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And just for the record, you know, I was curious. It had no carbs. I wanted to try it. And but oh, I'm would, I am yeah. a brie hound. I love full fat mm. brie, triple cream, double cream, whatever it is. Uh, I spread it on bacon and use the bacon as crackers. Oh, nice. Some of my favorite <laughs> brie is a German mushroom brie, Ooh. which uh, I get at a local cheese shop in Old Saybrook, Connecticut, called Fromage. <laughs> so, so you've established your cheese credentials. <laughs> I have established my cheese credentials. Please. <laughs> no more hate mail. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so let's talk about Bernays sauce. Bernays is related to Hollandaise okay. in that it's a very butter rich, egg yolk rich uh, sauce. It's one of the five classic French sauces. Mm-hmm. And I may even go through all five of those throughout the next five shows. But we're starting with Bernays. So Bernays and steak are really a match made in heaven. But this sauce has a few other divine uses like over poached eggs or over roasted fish. Uh, Anything that you might think of a tartar sauce like rich sauce. And I I say tartar sauce because that's the closest thing I can think of. It's very heavy in tarragon though. So (laughs) it's a tarragon based one, isn't it? Yeah. 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 
All right, so this recipe is from Epicurious, which is a great app, website, um, just a great collection of recipes that are all rated. And this makes about one cup of Bernays. Now, before I tell you how to make it, let me give you my favorite application on the ketogenic diet of Bernays. Sure. A lot of people complain that they don't get enough fat and they have a hard time when they're hungry finding fat bombs or fat things that they can eat to satiety. So, especially when it comes to meat, a lot of people don't like fatty meat. They're conditioned to eating lean meats. Yeah. And of course, filet mignon, beef tenderloin is a very popular lean meat. Sure. It's very tender and it's not very fatty at all. Mm. So, Bernays is great for taking a, a little bite of uh, filet mignon and dipping it in your Bernays or just spooning it over your steak. Mm. All right. So, this makes one cup. You take one tablespoon plus two sticks of unsalted butter and cut them into half-inch cubes. And you need three tablespoons of minced shallots. You need some kosher salt and freshly ground black pepper. Or you can use sea salt or pink salt. I don't care. Yeah. Two tablespoons of champagne vinegar or white wine vinegar. I haven't tried it with apple cider vinegar, but that might be my next test. Two large egg yolks. One tablespoon or more of fresh lemon juice. Mm -hmm. And squeeze it yourself, kids. Mm. Don't get the lemon juice in a bottle. No. And then one tablespoon of finely chopped fresh tarragon. So you can probably see if you've ever made sauces before how this is going to work out. Yeah. But in case you can't, here's, a, here's the recipe. You melt one tablespoon of butter in a small saucepan over medium heat. Mm -hmm. You add the shallots and a pinch of salt and pepper and stir that to coat them all up. Then you stir in the vinegar and you reduce the heat to medium low and you cook it down until the vinegar is evaporated, which takes three to four minutes. Then you reduce the heat to low mm. and continue cooking the shallots, stirring frequently until they're tender and translucent, caramelized, about five minutes longer. Transfer all that to a small bowl and let it completely cool. Now you fill a blender with hot water to warm it and set it aside. This is just to warm up the blender. Right. And you melt the remaining butter, which is one cup or two sticks, in a small saucepan over medium heat until it's foamy, and you transfer that to a measuring cup. Now, you drain the blender, dry it well, so it should be nice and warm. Yeah. And you combine the egg yolks, the lemon juice, and a tablespoon of water in the warm, dry blender. You puree that until it's smooth. Now, you remove the lid insert, and with the blender running... Slowly pour in the hot butter in a thin stream of droplets. Yeah. You want to discard the milk solids at the bottom of the measuring cup. And if you're really, really cool, you can make ghee, mm. which is clarified butter first, and use that. So it's really like a mayonnaise. You're making an emulsion now, aren't you? You're making an emulsion. Absolutely. So you continue blending until a smooth, creamy sauce forms about two or three minutes. You pour that sauce into a medium bowl. You stir in the shallots and the tarragon. And season to taste with salt, pepper, and more lemon juice if desired. There you go. Brand new mm, sauce. Nice. And this, like I say, is just great on just about everything. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to try it on fish. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They say on fi and fish, like a, a roasted fish or mm. an oven roasted fish. Um, I imagine it's great on salmon because uh, yeah. a little acid and a little, you know, herbaceousness mm. like um, dill. 
is always really good with fish and salmon, but yeah. this is tarragon. It's yeah. wonderful. Sure. By the way, tarragon also great on lobster. So this would work well with lobster, also a lean meat and shrimp. Mm. And uh, and also really good on carrots, although I don't eat carrots no. anymore. But tarragon and carrots sweet. is a classic uh, combination. So one of yep. the things for people who are growing their own herbs, and I highly recommend that because uh, you know, it's not there's nothing better than having a herb garden as you're cooking and just remembering, oh, I need some sage and knowing where exactly where it is and plucking yeah. it fresh out of the ground. But one thing about uh, tarragon, there's two types of tarragon. There's Russian tarragon plants and French tarragon plants. Hmm. And in Australia, we can get the Russian tarragon plants everywhere, but the flavour is not as intense as the French. Oh. So uh, try and get the French plants if you can. If you're going to plant your own vegetable garden, that's one of the most difficult to find, in Australia at least, the French version of tarragon. Wow. Good tip. All right. Well, that's the show. Of course, we'd like to thank Kevin Sharman. Yeah, thanks, Kev. And uh, of course, if you have anything you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something that you don't agree with, some more research that you found to support or refute what we've said, send it by email to dudes at twoketodudes.com or post it on our website. And you can follow us on Twitter at 2KetoDudes or on Instagram at 2KetoDudes. And, of course, if you want to join our Facebook community, it's fb.2keto.com. Of course, uh, our blog is blog.2keto.com. Sure. Our recipe archive is recipes.2keto.com. And uh, go to our blog and check out our posts. There's stuff there that not just Richard and I have posted, but the mm. admins in our Facebook group as well. And if you like it, pin it on Pinterest, because that helps mm. us out a lot. Sure. All right, man. Kevin, thanks. It's been a pleasure talking to you again. Oh, yeah, you, you too. Thank you. All right, Richard, that's the show. Keep calm and keto on. Yeah, keep calm and keto on, Carl. All right, and we'll see you next time on Two Keto Dudes.